it's resilience. You didn't let it, you're not stuck, right? Okay, yes. Yeah, nothing is too big for dreaming big. No, that's You dream big, and you did it. I want to be strong, to have the flexibility and confidence to play soccer with my kids or volleyball on the beach. I want to feel energetic and spontaneous with my husband. I want my body to feel the freedom to move and enjoy life, to hike Yosemite, surf in Hawaii, bike to the beach, to have fun with friends and not be limited. I want to do things that love my body, to feel and experience all the sensations of life. I want my body to be a force in nature that overcomes difficulty and resistance. I believe in health and wellness and daily consistent exercise. Signups are now available for the Fall Fit Challenge starting October 1st. Visit my website at balancedbybeth.com. This is a 30-day strength training program. I would love for you to do this with me. Sign up and tell a friend. Welcome to the third podcast of Balance by Beth. I'm really super excited to have Bonnie with me today. I was her physical therapy instructor for her last PT internship for Chapman University, where she recently graduated with her doctorate in physical therapy. So I'm really, really proud of her and happy to be sitting here with her. She's an outstanding person with creative energy and passion for life. She has great ideas for exercise, and staying motivated. She graduated from San Francisco State seven years ago with her bachelor's in cinema, then worked in the entertainment business until she decided to return to school for physical therapy. So welcome, Bonnie. Hi, Beth. Thank you very much for having me. Really happy to have you. So today we're going to be talking about resilience and strength and why it's important in life and for our bodies. So we're actually going to start with um, your journey to becoming a PT. I would actually like to hear a little bit about your life and what brought you to this amazing venture. Kind of a random little road that I took to get where I am today. Uh, I thought I always wanted to work in entertainment. My dream had always been be a big time producer. Um, As a kid, I really, really admired characters like Ripley in Alien and Sarah Connor in Terminator, who start off as these sort of passive female characters and are kind of forced into growing into these very strong, very dominant characters that really rule their the movies that they're in. Um, so I had always hoped to kind of go that route and make pictures like that when I got older. Um, once I got into the entertainment industry, it was a little different than I had um, expected it to be. So. Um, After finishing film school, I moved down to L.A. and started working my way up through the business, starting in post-production, ended up getting into development uh, where I thought I would land that dream job as a CE. And lo and behold, the day of that promotion wasn't as exciting as I had hoped. Uh, My boss ended up being out to meetings for the rest of that week, and I sort of had a lot of reflection time over at CBS Radford to sort of figure out what I wanted to do with my life and if this was really the route that I wanted to go or if maybe it was time to take a different direction. Um, I logged on to my Yahoo email account and this is an embarrassing part of the story but uh, the news feed that pops up that just you can scroll through that says you know what's ever going on in Washington or on the world or take a personality test. Uh, One of the stories that popped up said top 10 most rewarding career paths. 
So I clicked on that one and scrolled through the 10 options that they had listed, one of which was physical therapy. And I had never been to physical therapy, but it sounded like an intriguing direction. So I started researching it, um, ended up finding someone that I could shadow, took about two weeks where I was going after hours and sitting in just watching the physical therapists in Vargo Physical Therapy, which is over in Sherman Oaks and decided that I would take a leap of faith and return back to school and try something new. And so, how many years had you been out of school? Ah, so I, when I graduated with my cinema degree, and I decided to go back to school in 2012, um, so it was a long time out, and I had about 17 prereqs once I actually got down to figuring out the process in order for me to even apply to grad school, which is then a three-year program. Mm -hmm. So it's been a long road. Yeah. Well, which is actually why I want to talk with you about resilience, because as you've told me your story and your growing up years and kind of what you've had to have the courage to like continue and journey, I truly, you have a remarkable story. So I would like to actually start there too. Would you mind sharing a little bit about your childhood? Certainly. Okay. Um, I was raised in Sacramento, California. Um, and I would suppose, I suppose I'm more of a typical California kid, merged families, lots of divorces. Um, I have half siblings, whole siblings, step siblings. Um, and it was a lot of moving around, even though I was always within the same city, I moved, I think 22 times between when I was born and when I left for college. Okay. So, um, that's because my mom would move almost every year as, and so would my dad. So it became very common for me to have to move school districts. So I think one of the reasons that it's easier for me to pop around and change things frequently is because I had to adapt in the school settings so often as a kid. And that sort of forces you out of your comfort zone. You have to learn to make friends quickly. You have to learn to be social. You have to start over again, honestly, mm -hmm. kind of often. So I think that played a big role in taking away some of the fear component of taking a leap of faith in different directions as mm -hmm. I've gotten older. What did that look like, say, when you were 10? Uh, 10 was right before there was a bit of a teetering in the family. Um, my parents got divorced when I was eight, and my mom had basically full custody. So my younger brother and I were living with her almost all the time. My older half-sister and older half-brother were 50-50 between their dad and living with um, our mom. And we were out in Gold River, which is this little sort of like a gated community. There's like a small school for the community. There's a little grocery shopping center. It's kind of all encompassed. So you kind of live in a little bubble. Mm -hmm. And it seems like this perfect little neighborhood. Um, our village that we lived in was actually called Motherlode Village, which my older brother always used to make the joke as um, things worsened in the house that it was it should have been referred to as Mother's Loaded Village because mm. she was sort of a heavy drinker. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I was around the age of 10... She was still very with it, and we were. She's a very creative woman, so it was a lot of. She was very encouraging with me doing a lot of the things in in the realm of the arts, which I was very interested in as a kid. So, lots of dance lessons and singing and piano lessons and things like that. Um, as she sort of started to fall into a darker place, a lot changed in the house, and my older brother ended up moving out. My older sister cut back a lot on the amount of time she was in the house, and it ended up being just me and my brother for the majority of the time, and my mom would be home less and less. And it got kind of to 
a point where I was sort of raising my brother more than anything, um, which didn't seem weird to me when I was that young. I just didn't know that there was anything wrong with that or different. Uh, however, it was interesting because I did have this intrinsic nature to know to hide it from other people. So that mm -hmm. was something that was, I don't know where that comes from because no one ever told me to not say anything, but I do remember making sure that I would get my brother up for school. I'd get him to class and make sure he did his homework. I would normally rollerblade with him to make sure that he would get there on time. Um, I would, you know, make us dinner and stuff when I got home. And I would never mention to anybody, and I would try to hide it from, like, teachers and never mentioned it to my dad. It was just sort of a strange alternate reality to live in for a few years. But um, How old were you at the time when you were doing this? This, this really kicked in when I was around the age of 11, and it was I was almost 13 when um, she got fourth DUI <laughs> okay. and I don't know it was just like kind of an ugly constellation all the stars aligned her she happened to be arrested but had not paid the electricity bill the water bill um, we didn't have any food in the house so my brother and I were just sitting there waiting for her to come back and it had been four days with you know we didn't have water we didn't have anything to eat we, we didn't know if she was actually coming back so we went across the street I called my dad and my stepmom ended up just coming out to the house and we just took armfuls of clothes out of our drawers, threw it all in the trunk and didn't really hear anything from her for a while. I'm assuming she was just uh, locked up for a while. So it was when she got out that things got ugly and she wanted to keep that alimony, keep those kids at the house. Mm. So it kind of turned into a horrific battle between my parents, which I think they tried to keep us out of as much as they could. Not that that was an easy thing to do, because my mom has a force to be reckoned with. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so that was, 10 was probably the last good year, I could say, that there was sort of living with her, where she was still sort of with it. And then mm -hmm. after that, it was much more of me being a very independent kid, sort of supervising my house. <laughs> yeah. And how do you think that shaped you? Um, I think that played a very big role in that in conjunction with me popping around schools all over the place, I think those two things together have really formed my ability to sort of make things work wherever I am. And if I need to change things up to just adapt, mm -hmm. um, I don't think I would have those skills if I wouldn't have sort of been forced into it in a much darker reality as a yeah. child. <laughs> well, I think that's what really impressed me about you, just getting to know you this year and you know, we're talking about resilience and the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties and that you have an inner toughness and an inner strength that I think serves you really well. And, you know, recently graduating with your doctorate of physical therapy, you know, being away from school for what, nine years? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not insignificant and a really big accomplishment. And I just wanted to pull that out of you because I feel like this story is pretty significant in your life. Um, and then as we think about people and difficulties, you know, we work with patients that have a lot of challenges. I'm always trying to think, like, how to help them become stronger, like to be more resilient when they encounter difficulties. And I think just the story of your life is is really remarkable. And needs to be recorded. No. <laughs> well, um, yeah. So I do want to talk a little bit more just about the physical, um, f 
physical resilience and mm-hmm. how to build that in our bodies. Mm-hmm. So you are currently studying for your boards I am, and learning <laughs> all about muscles. And um, so I want to was wondering if you would mind sharing about a pain or an injury you've experienced um, that really, you know, that you learned something from. Um, biggest experience I could say that I learned from a physical ailment. Um, I, for my graduation gift, when I finished my undergrad program, I went to Europe for a month and a half um, with some of my friends, and I slipped on some non-ADA compliant surface (laughs) in Greece and smashed my knee, and it got super swollen, and I had a tough time walking, but I just figured it was not a big deal. I just got a bruise or whatever, and it would go away. Um, the pain continued for the remainder of my trip. I came back and I was having a lot of trouble running. And every time I would run, my knee would swell up afterwards. So I finally decided I would go to the doctor. But that's not something I was raised to do. And, uh, that's interesting. I know no one, no one goes to the doctor in my family. Another interesting path for me to choose. Yes. Um, so I went and got an x-ray of my knee and there was nothing really that the doctor could see in the imaging. So then they got an MRI and I was given a very basic report of a potential meniscus tear. That was all I was told that nothing following up, nothing explaining to me what that was. So me being the person I am went home, slightly panicked that there was something wrong, not understanding what it is and feeling like the internet is the best place to find answers. So I Googled and I got on WebMD and I started looking up meniscus tears and what was virtually I mean, you couldn't even really see it on imaging, and I have never done anything to have it dealt with at this point. I mean, it doesn't bother me anymore. But um, at that point, I was convinced I had, like, a complete rupture of this tissue in my knee, and I was going to require this surgery, and I wasn't going to be able to run forever, and it was going to be super painful, and I might have to get a knee replacement. And, like, the moral of the story is if you don't understand something that your doctor says about anything that is in an imaging report or in a physical exam or a blood report, just ask for more of an explanation from them or see if there's a nurse or someone else in the office that's happy to take the time to explain a little bit more to you because trying to find your answers on your own, especially with Google, is a terrifying direction to go, which will most likely lead you to believe that you have cancer or some sort of very severe illness that is way off track and you're just going to end up freaking yourself out about something that you don't need to be at that level for. Yeah. So tell us a little more about that, like how anxiety and stress can magnify a current injury. Oh, well, you can take almost any condition. I mean, even just something as minor as a headache. And the minute you start to think, oh, I wonder if this headache is more like I'm having pre-symptoms of a stroke or something like that. <laughs> I mean, anything. this is a very common thing, especially with grad students. Common. Once you start to learn about all of the signs of or, or early symptoms that you will experience before something tragic is about to occur, it starts to toy with your mind. And it's almost a scary thing to have a little more knowledge about those early symptoms and mm-hmm. signs that pick up. So um, I would say anxiety plays... 75% of a role, maybe. It's significant. It's, it's a huge mm-hmm. part of your perception of pain and the progression of whatever you're going through. And often just having an understanding of what's going on with you can really tame mm-hmm. whatever you're going and through. And going to see someone that you trust. Yes, that that's is a big significant. Yeah. 
and that will take the time to explain your situation to you. And just easing your anxiety about it is pretty significant. And that's one of the great things that actually has drawn me to physical therapy. One of the reasons that I love this direction for my new career, because you have so much time with patients and you actually can sit and discuss these kinds of things and really Mm -hmm. give a thorough breakdown and explain to your patients, oh, this is what's going on in your body. This is what you should be expecting. Mm -hmm. There are, you know, just to, to take out the fear component of this unknown of Am, am I going to have a heart attack from this? Is this something that's never going to let me run again? Like, people mm-hmm. will spiral if they don't have that direction. I mean, not everybody, but that is a, a relatively mm-hmm. common. Well, because you think you have pain, so you don't want to move. Mm-hmm. And then when you don't move, it causes more pain. That's what happens to a lot of yes. people that we see. So what would you say it taught you? It taught me mm-hmm. that... I shouldn't always try and find my own answers. Though that is, it's always good to rely on yourself and it's very good to keep yourself informed. It's always important to have those specialists that you can reach out to if you need further understanding on something. Like, I would not want to rely on my diagnostic abilities for something going on viscerally. Um, If I had something going on, like with my stomach, I wouldn't feel like I could necessarily properly research that to understand the inner lining of what the deal is. So it would be to seek out a proper medical person that can guide me in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. So let's talk about muscles because we know a lot about that. Um, Building resilience in our bodies. So why is it important to build strength? Let's talk about strength. Ooh. Um, so one of the hardest things about going back to school was that I got in very bad shape. Um, you spend so much time in the classroom and you're sitting all day and you're stressed, as we were just discussing. Yes. Um, so the constant uh, imbalance that you're experiencing in life in, in that particular scenario is just very unhealthy. And I gained... A good amount of weight, which was quite depressing. And I actually remember thinking in August of last year that I had just become a fat person and I was just going to be fat. And I just needed to accept this new role in life. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my career. (laughs) I thought I was going to work more in a sports medicine direction, but I just don't suit that anymore. And and it was this very depressing, dark time for me. Um, Insert my plug for Orange Theory, where it was my – I found this workout – Place down the street that I decided to sign up for and it was it got me excited to exercise again and it forced me into a program and it brought back the excitement about being strong and being in shape and remembering that self-care is just as important mm-hmm. as everything else that is going on in life mm-hmm. if not more important because if you're not taking care of yourself what's the point of working toward anything you're just gonna die early <laughs> right keep that's going. right so yeah it's important to get strong. So building strength for you, yeah, is good because... <laughs> so building strength is good because it keeps your body healthy and functioning. And I mean, even at those times where I thought, like, I was always looking past exercising where this is, like, low on the totem pole. What I need to be focusing is on, on is this exam or on this assignment or whatever. But the amount of focus that you lose when you stop exercising really... I mean, if you just took the time to, to go 
on a quick run or a walk or anything just to clear your head. Mm-hmm. Keep your body a little happier and investing that time, taking a mental break, you can get through so much more work, yeah. so much more effectively. So it was just learning to rebalance my life. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people lose track of that, especially in our culture now with such an emphasis on work. People tend to let go of that focus and think that everything else takes priority over just giving yourself a little bit of time to work on that strength and keep your body in good condition because it's the only one you get. Yep. It is the only one you get. So a couple things about strength and why it might be important um, to work different muscles. So the podcast is called Balance by Back. Yes. So trying to think about could you explain to us the kind of our core muscles and why those muscles are important to train? So we could start with, say, the rotator cuff or scapular muscles. A lot of people, you know, they go to the gym and they use the machines, which might strengthen your bicep, your tricep, your deltoid, your pecs, which you can see. Um, and then what we find in physical therapy and with a lot of injuries is that people have been working these bigger muscles and then the ignoring muscles. ignoring the muscles that actually stabilize and why are those muscles important rotator cuff let's start there um it's so you'll see you'll hear a lot of the terms like tech neck or forward head um referring to these individuals who are sitting all day and getting this tightness, it's pulling your shoulders forward, which is not, a, a, there's not a good way to go and compensate that at the gym by strengthening all of what we used to refer to in school as the glory muscles. So, I mean, you can work out your... The rectus. mirror muscles, yeah, the, the ones, ones you that, see in the mirror, right. The, the Arnold. Yes. When you're building the Arnold bod. Um, <laughs> and so, yes, it's nice to have the physique, but it's also important to have balance. And you want to make sure that in order to have optimal strength, that your body is in proper alignment. So unless you're strengthening your muscles, like in the rotator cuff, to where you're actually positioning your joint correctly, you can't even reach your optimal strength. So you're actually working against yourself if you're not going to get yourself the stability before you start working on the glory muscles or working on the extra bulk. So it's you got to be balanced first before you can go beyond. It's like the stability of what your body yeah, in order to get the strength without causing injury to your body. And leading to all kinds of compensations that can cause even more problems down the road. Um, mm-hmm. I've been watching um, another, or there's a, an Instagram account that I look at actually that focuses a lot on just really small movements and just really taking the time to make sure that you're rotating your shoulder properly, that you're that you can do internal and external rotation mm-hmm. in your hip in normal ranges. And it's progressing from there to then more extreme versions of exercise, which well, that's good. it's nice. Yeah it's, yeah. it's nice to see something that's really focusing on getting that proper balance and that deep control mm-hmm. that's required just for postural stability before progressing and then just relying on these superficial muscles and then overexerting yourself and putting demand in all the wrong places and getting bad body mechanics that mm-hmm. are very hard to break the patterns of. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. So tell me what are your goals like for physical health? What do you hope for, say, in six months? Hmm. My personal goals have actually changed a lot from what I used to think I would always reach for with optimal health. But I've definitely been much more on a 
I wouldn't say vegan, but definitely way more in the vegetarian mm -hmm. kind of mm -hmm. pescatarian vein for diet. And I have gotten a lot more concerned with, I mean, I've always been interested in where my food comes from, but I've definitely been a lot more heavily involved in researching where exactly produce and fish and all of the kinds of things that I've decided to put in my body are coming from because we just live in a very toxic world. And if you mm -hmm. don't look into those kinds of things, it's very easy to just be putting bad into your body, not even realizing it. Um, so I guess I would say in the next six months, I'm looking forward to one, moving into my own apartment. Yes. <laughs> Two, getting my kitchen set up in a way where I'm controlling the majority of the food that I'm eating rather than eating out as much mm -hmm. and getting more of a structured day where I know that I'm, I have the time to work out in the morning before I either go to work or whatever it is that I have to do. That's great. During that day. So that's, yeah. That's, so that's like a outlook. holistic approach. Yeah. A holistic Your goals. and balanced. Yeah. And balanced approach to it all. <laughs> so I would like to end with, I know this is a quote that you told me when we were working together, mm. which is progress, not perfection. And I know you said this is something that you live by. Tell me why. Oh, um, so perfection is sort of an endpoint, And where do you go from there? And I just don't see anything exciting about getting to the point where you've reached perfection. Plus, we're all human beings, and I don't know, really know anybody who can do anything perfectly. Mm -hmm. But the idea of progression takes a lot more ownership and responsibility, and it requires you to evaluate whatever your goals are and where you are and what it is that you're either lacking or what it is that you've improved upon so that you don't just see something as just an end point where, okay, I, I had a goal of running a 5K there. I ran my 5K. That was perfect. And rather, it's better to be looking at, oh, I ran my 5K, but, you know, I did it at sea level. Maybe next time I should try and progress this a little bit more and I'll do something in like mm. at a higher altitude. Or maybe I want to do a longer distance. Or maybe I'd like to work on my running mechanics because I was really exhausted and I shouldn't be that tired after only 3.1 miles. So I like the idea of taking on a goal and then knowing that it's something that's more malleable and always wanting to reflect upon what is good and bad about what you're working toward and that even the littlest of things can be, you know, something that you can always work on with progression and it's not something that you should just always be aiming for perfection because that's boring. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's nothing to strive for. I mean, once you... If you reach it, I guess. The beauty is growth. The beauty is growth. <laughs> well, I would like to say thank you for joining me today. And I just really see you as a resilient person that has overcome a lot of difficulties. And I just appreciate how you have, um, just how, you, just the way that you have been very creative in your life. And I would like to say thank you by encouraging me to start my Instagram. You're the reason why I started that. And I just think that you have a lot to give the profession of physical therapy. And I'm really excited to see where you're going to go. And I would love to see your background in the cinema somehow reach with physical therapy. Because I really feel like we need, like the physical therapy profession needs you. So I just want to encourage you to be courageous, be bold, um, and to rock your exam. 
Thank you. <laughs> Less yeah. than a week. <laughs> but thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yes. Balanced by Beth is a podcast to inspire women to live strong. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personal medical advice. 